Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. The Bible says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, Did you hear the one about uh, the mosquito in the nudist colony? Anybody ever hear that one? You know, he knew what to do. He just didn't know where to start. You know, you got... Yeah. Well, when when it comes to answering this question that we have... uh, uh, that we've taken on here of this one. Uh, why, why do I keep committing the same sin over and over and over, and what in the world can I do about it? Uh, I feel a little bit like that mosquito. I, I know what to do. I know what to do. Uh, it's a little bit difficult to know where to start because the good news is because of good news. Uh, the Bible has much, much, much help for those of us who are followers of Jesus who now have this question of, okay, if I have been crucified with Christ, if I have come to faith in Him, if I have been therefore placed in union with Jesus, uh, immersed into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit, uh, forgiven of my sin, justified by God, declared right with Him uh, legally up there, out there in His courtroom, in His record book, and, if all, and been given the gift of eternal life and a new heart, why in the world do I keep committing the same sin? Why am I having trouble with this habitual sin in my life? Well, it's a million-dollar question, as we said uh, last week. God does give us uh, much, much help. There is much help for you and me given by God to break our bad habits, uh, to, uh, uh, to break our ongoing sinful behaviors that offend God, uh, that um, break His heart, uh, as well as train wreck our own, our own lives. So, so I've been praying, and I've been thinking, and I've been studying in order to get God's guidance on how to serve up all that He says in His Word about this. There's a lot here, and we're, we're going we're gonna to go after it. But again, um, as I said last week, when I ask you to commit to take this journey with me, we won't answer this question in just one sermon last week or one, one study this week. It won't happen in two uh, talks, in two sermons, in two Bible studies. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to take, but we're going to take the journey and we're going to walk through because this is serious. And it, and it requires a little bit about what I prayed uh, earlier for you and me. It requires some intensity on your part. It requires some intentionality on your part. It requires a decision on your part to take the journey. It it requires on your part to set as a priority figuring this thing out, grabbing hold of God, letting Him grab a hold of you until we figure this out, and He works this into our heart and our soul so that we actually win over sin on a daily basis. Now, last week we talked about the fact that you have to begin right. If you're going to win over sin today, you must begin right with Jesus yesterday uh, when you first came to faith in Him, and we spent a lot of time on that. Today, we're going to take the next baby step in the journey. 
uh, to actual change. We started again last week with making sure we start right. Now we're going to talk about how we continue uh, right. And um, so, let's do that. Take a look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul starts out by saying, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, again, he speaks of the past there. I have been crucified. That means being set right with God. Being set right with God happened at a point in the past in Paul's life. It had a beginning. Now, uh, we talked about last week, we introduced the, the uh, different aspects of salvation. Let's take a look at those again on the screen. The different aspects of salvation, there are at least four. There is before Christ, before being saved. Uh, there is a beginning. Remember, we said nobody has always been a Christian. Nobody has always been saved. Nobody has always been a child of God adopted into his family. Not, no, nobody has always been forgiven of their sin. Uh, there is a beginning. So there is a B.C. There is a before Christ in your heart and my life. Then there is the beginning. And we talked about the beginning last week. Then there is the continuation, which is where we're going to camp out beginning today. And then the completion. That completion equals eternity. It equals heaven. And uh, we'll talk about that um, down the road. Today we're going to continue by trying to understand that third aspect of salvation. The continuation aspect of life in Christ. Life with Jesus. Now this means our daily existence as a Christian now with Christ. Uh, so we're trying to answer the question, so, so between the time that we are saved, between the time that we are born again, between the time that we are uh, uh, justified, converted, whatever language you want to use there, and the time we go to heaven, how do we live? How do we live the way God wants us uh, to live. How do we live with Jesus in such a way that we no longer live with the burden of committing the same old sin over and over and over again? How do we live with Jesus in such a way that we win over sin habitually? When it comes to living in alignment with God's will and God's ways morally, practically, really, morally and ethically, uh, we cannot do that if we don't understand it. In other words, here's a good way to look at all of the truths of the Bible. You can't live what you don't understand. Got it? And you can't understand what you have not heard. Got it? Now, and so, that, so we must first really, really listen. We must li listen with the intent of understanding and living. Uh, to God's Word. This is what Jesus meant when He said that strange phrase to Western ears like yours and mine uh, when He would be addressing people and He would say something like, if anyone has ears, yeah, ears to hear. Well, we all have, that's why we have ears. What does He mean? What does He mean? It was, a, it was an ancient Hebrew phrase that meant to listen intently, to listen on purpose. It meant to lean forward. It, it's almost um, could be translated loosely, to lean forward with your ears. It, it was, you ever seen a, a, your dog's ears perk up and kind of, or a deer? You ever seen the deer out here and they're, they're start, one ear will go and try to hear something? That's having an ear to hear. It is tuning in, tuning in. And so you cannot understand what you don't 
hear what you don't listen to, and you can't live what you don't understand. So we've got to first listen to understand, and that's where we're going to go today. So I'm praying, and have already prayed for you, and have already prayed for me, that God would enable us by His grace and teach us and give us the willingness uh, to listen aggressively to the truth of God's Word today so that we may understand, so that we may live, so that we may live. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Let's, let's get to that, but Christ lives in me, the life I live in the body. Now, look, how many of you right now are living your life in the body? You got, it's all of you. You're here, you're living. That means, that, means, that means the life right now, that means, okay, today, today. This, how do we live life today? So to win over sin on a daily basis, we must first understand God's process for this. And that's where we're going to deal with today. That's what we're going to do today. This process is the continuation of our salvation. You see, after the miraculous work of beginning our salvation, God continues the process of transforming all believers uh, because human nature needed transforming and human behavior needs transforming to be like Jesus. Now, this continuation of the saving process, of the transformation process of followers of Jesus is called, here's the big theological word, write this down, sanctification. Sanctification, S-A-N-C-T-I-F-I-C-A-T-I-O-N, sanctification, sanctify, uh, sanctity, speaks of holiness, speaks of um, purity, it speaks of uh, morality, sanctification, the continuation of this transforming, saving process of the believer by God is called sanctification. We're, we call it continuation. We call it transformation. But all those words are, uh, can be uh, interchangeable. But let's remember, the, let's remember the theological word. Remember, as I told you about three weeks ago, terminology is important because a, a term, terminology is compressed truth. So my, my prayer is that as we get to the end of this talk today, we can say the word sanctification and you will have compressed a lot of truth into that one word so that you know what we're talking about. Got it? Okay, here we go. Sanctification. Sanctification is the process of turning from sin. Now listen closely because I might freak you out a little bit here. The process of turning from sin in the practice of sins toward holiness, now there's a term we'll need to define, holiness, with the goal of a sinless life. Now, some of you felt like the charismatic cannibal at that point and wanted to just throw up your hands. You'll get that later. Um, what do you mean sinless life? Nobody's, yeah, nobody's sinless, nobody's perfect. Now, while th theoretically, I, don't I, I think the Bible's pretty clear we're probably not going to lead a sinless life, but that should be our goal, that is to be our goal. And while if we do this right, we may not ever reach the point that we are sinless in this life, we should, if we do it right, 
sinless. So, sanctification is, is God's process of helping us turn from sin to holiness, actually with the goal of sinning way less, way less. And so the beginning aspect of our saving relationship with Jesus, starting right with Jesus, is not the end. It is the beginning. That's why we call it like the beginning. That's why we call it the beginning. Uh, but here's, here's another definition of sanctification. It's different from the beginning. It is the continuing work of God in the life of any believer in Jesus, making him or her actually, really holy. Really holy. Now, holy here means bearing an actual likeness to Jesus. An actual likeness to be like Him in character. Uh, sanctification is the process by which a person's moral condition and practical behavior is brought into conformity with their now legal status of justification with God. God has declared us legally, because of our faith in Christ, legally, forensically, out there, up there, positionally, rightly related with Him, righteous. And He has imputed, there's a big word, and I don't have time to unpack that one. He has reckoned to us, He has credited to our account the righteousness of Jesus, even though we're not actually practically perfect yet. So that when He looks at us, He sees, He says, you have fulfilled all of my expectations of my moral and ethical law because of your faith in Jesus. Sanctification is his process of actually bringing us into practical alignment with that so that we begin to actually live that way. Now, the word I have said most in this talk so far is process. It is a process. It does not happen at a point in time. Now, there, there are, are you with me so far? Okay, okay. Don't, don't go on autopilot here because remember, we've got to listen aggressively. Here's another time to kind of crank it up because I'm going to, I'm going to explain some things um, that if you don't listen closely, it's, we're going to hydroplane over it, and I don't want to hydroplane over it. This is critical here. There are two uh, basic senses in which this term sanctification is used uh, in God's Word in, in the, the Bible, and they're related to two different concepts of holy, two different concepts of, of holiness. And uh, here's the first one. Uh, the first concept of holy or holiness is, means that it is a formal characteristic of a person, a place, or an object, kind of like the definition of a noun, person, place, or thing. Sanctification or holy is used in one sense in some places in the Bible uh, to uh, speak of, a, of, a, of an, an identifying characteristic of a person or a place or an object in the kingdom of God. Uh, and it refers to a state of being separate or separated or set apart from the ordinary or mundane uh, use and dedicated to a particular purpose or a particular being, in our case, God, set apart for the purposes of God, owned and owned by God. Now, in the Old Testament, this, was, this term was used when it was describing uh, a lot of places, like, um, like uh, the, uh, 
the holy of holies or the holy place in the Jewish temple. It meant a This place is set aside for God for specific God purposes, Uh, like the priests' garments that they wore. They were holy. They they didn't wear them just for for hanging out at the house. Uh, They they were for a specific God purpose. I mean, they were holy. They were set apart for this purpose. Um, The Sabbath day was described as holy, set apart for God's purposes. Uh, Persons themselves, the priests and the Levites in the Old Testament, they they were said to be holy. And it meant that they were set apart for God's purposes, not for everyday mundane purposes. They were to do specific things for uh, God. And so they were dedicated to the Lord, meant dedicated to the Lord exclusively. Exclusively. Uh, now in the New Testament, uh, the disciple Peter in his writings to his readers in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 talked about us, uh, talked about uh, followers of Jesus. And he said that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. And that's what you are. That's what you are. And, and so here, sanctified or holy means that we belong to the Lord. We belong to the Lord. Now, this hap- when, do, when, do we be- when do we belong to the Lord? When does this happen? It happened at your conversion. It happens when you are saved. It happens at the beginning of your salvation, when God gave you a new heart and a new nature and a new life, and He declared you set right with Himself legally. At that point, His mark of ownership, the the Holy Spirit was given to you, and you were set apart and belong to God. Now, you may have never thought about it that way, that you belong to God, but here's where some confusion comes in. Hey, Jack, could I have a little more in the monitor here? I think I'm screaming at people. Thank you. Uh, A little confusion can come in here. When we use the word saint, write down the word saint on your paper there, saint. We tend, tend, in our our usage, we tend to use it to mean uh, that uh, they are to an extreme moral and good in heart and lifestyle. Like, like, Like they're way up there. They're way up there. They're a saint. Wow, my mother was a saint, we'll say. Usually after we've grown up and left home and we're not mad at her anymore. <laughs> my mother, yeah, but, we're, but when we say that, we mean that they're like, they're good people, but then there's like really good people. They're saints. That's how we use it. It's not how the Bible uses the word saint. When it uses the word saint, it uses it in this sense to describe ownership to describe God's people. It uses it in the sense that believers are owned by God. Saints, it means that we are owned by God, set apart for God's purposes, even when we are far from perfect. You say, well, how do you get that? Well, just one spot. If you go into uh, the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul's, the Apostle Paul, first letter to the church at Corinth, he he said this is to all the saints in the church at Corinth. Well, they happen to be, if you go ahead and read the letter, about the sorriest bunch in, that were in the kingdom of God. They were immoral. They were drunkards. They were, had a problem with sexual immorality. They were about the most sinful and, and, and uh, imperfect church that we know of in New Testament times. Yet what did Paul call them? 
saints. Why? They were. They were, they were owned by God through faith in Jesus. Now, so holy or sanctified in this first sense refers to something or someone being owned by God. Now, let me see your eyes a second. Since this is true, if you're here this morning and you are a believer in Jesus, you are not your own. You are not your own. And it's really rough on us Americans who believe that we're to stand up for our rights. You don't have any rights. The only thing you can do now, honestly, before Jesus is stand up for your responsibilities. Because He owns you. The Bible even uses slavery terms in the New Testament for this. You see, He says we are set free from slavery to sin so that we can be a slave of Christ. That great theologian and philosopher Bob Dylan got it right. Years ago, 1980, in his, in his great uh, uh, album that he did, Slow Train Coming, you know that one. What's the song, Bill? Got to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. That's pretty much your choice, you see. We think we're in charge. We're not. We're not. You are either a slave to Satan and your own sin, or you are set free to be a slave of righteousness, a slave to Christ. Right here, write it down, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20 says, You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Who bought it? Who bought you? Jesus. What was the price? His own shed blood and broken body on the cross for you and me. He paid the penalty. He paid the redemption price. He purchased you off the slave block of sin and set, bought your freedom so that you could serve Him. You're not your own. Now, if you want to win over sin, the first thing you've got to do is understand who owns you. If I'm going to win over sin on a daily basis, I've got to realize I'm no longer in charge. I don't own me. I am the property of another. Therefore, I am responsible to another. You are responsible to Jesus. Now, you may be kicking against Him, and you may be rebelling against Him, uh, but you are still responsible to Him. You have been set free. You are owned by Christ. We don't have the right to do with ourselves whatever we want. We only have the right to do whatever Jesus wants us to do. And that'll help us. And so you may, if you want to practically get some help with this thing, you may want to pray this prayer of affirmation at the beginning of every day. Take 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19b through 20, and turn it into a prayer that you pray. Lord, something like this, Lord Jesus, I, I know now that I am not my own. I am yours. You bought me, so help me glorify you in my body today. That's a darn good prayer. It's a powerful prayer. So how do you know it's powerful? Because you're praying according to the will and the ways of God. And in 1 John, 1 John chapter 5, about verses 14 and 15, it says that if we ask anything according to God's will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. So, if that is true, if you pray the truth of God's Word about yourself to God, what does He say? I hear you. 
and I'll answer. I'll hear you, and I'll, I'll answer. Turn this prayer, uh, this verse, into a prayer of affirmation uh, for yourself before God. Okay, second sense of holiness. The first sense is ownership. Second sense of holiness means actual, real, moral, and ethical goodness, spiritual worth. Now, this means that we believers not only belong to God, but we are somehow to live with Him in such a way that our lives begin to look more like Him in real value and practice, morally, ethically, to live like Jesus would were He in our place. So there, there's a contrast here that will help us understand this. Take a look at the screen. Let's, let's look at the contrast between the beginning of our salvation, justification, and the continuation, which is sanctification. Uh, let's look at the first contrast here. The beginning is instantaneous when you commit your life to Christ. The continuation is an ongoing process. Uh, here's the next one. Uh, you are either... The beginning is either yes or no. Yes, you are either justified or no, you are not. There's no in-between. But sanctification is either more or less. You're either more sanctified than you were or you are less, more or less. There's change there. Here's another comparison. Uh, the beginning is legal righteousness. I've already explained that. But sanctification means actual, real change. Now, this is change you can believe in. Now this is this is this is what God this is change you can believe in. It it is meant to be real change, actual transformation. Uh, next uh, comparison: uh, it, the beginning of our salvation is objective, but the continuation is subjective. It's God relating to you individually. Uh, the next one: the beginning of our salvation uh, settles our standing with God. The continuation of our of our salvation speaks of uh, deals with the, the our own inner transformation, our inner person being changed. The next one: the beginning happened in the past, but sanctification is ongoing in the present. One more, I think I have here. Yes, justification. If it's happened to you, it's done. Done in the past. Declared righteous with God. Sanctification continues daily. Luke 9.23, we'll come back to that in a few weeks. Uh, this happens daily for you and me. Now remember, for you to win over sin, you must understand God's ways when it comes to our salvation. And you must understand sanctification or you cannot live it. And you must listen closely to this teaching because you can't understand what you've not heard. So here, quickly, here's some characteristics that I want to uh, describe to you about our sanctification, and the first one is this. Sanctification is a supernatural work of God. God does this, number one. I th this is not going to be on the screen. You're just going to have to get it. Just write this down. Number one, supernatural work of God. Listen to this. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. And may your spirit, soul, and body... That sounds complete... May your spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, here's our application again. Here's how you respond to this teaching. You turn, write this verse down, 1 Thessalonians. I can't spell it. Chapter 5, verse 23. You also turn this into a, a personal prayer of affirmation. 
And you pray something like this. Okay, Lord, you are the God of peace. And so I'm asking you yourself to sanctify me completely so that my whole spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless. It means pure and blameless. It means a pure inner life that expresses itself in a pure outer life, that it may be pure and blameless for the coming for your return to this earth. You, so you can, you, that's how you, you turn Scripture into your own personal prayer. Now, here's the tendency in America. You're going to jot down these points and say, okay, yeah, yeah, oh, that's cool, that's cool, it made me feel good, what's next? You know, until you tell me something hard to do. This must be pretty hard because you've not been doing it. You've not been praying. Must be pretty hard, Larry, for me to do it because I tend not to pray. You may can do more than to win over sin until you have prayed God's word rightly applied to you, but you cannot do more to win over sin until you've begun to pray this way daily for you. Seek it, pray with your whole heart, hunger and thirst for this. As Jesus said, got it, got it. Okay, so I'm going to give you. I'm just going to give you some verses to pray and start this week. Here's the, here's the next big point. Uh, I've already said this. This sanctification is progressive. It is a progressive matter. In Philippians chapter one verse six, the Bible said this: "I am sure of this that he who started a good work in you, justification, the beginning, conversion, started." will carry it on to completion, carry it on, sanctification, be, uh, continuation until the day of Christ Jesus. And so turn Philippians, jot this down, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, into one of your prayers that you pray in the morning. Lord, you started a good work in me. I'm asking today that you continue it. You continue it, Lord, today. Continue, today, change me more today from the inside out today based on your word. Third big point here. The point of all of this is to make us like Jesus. Now, not like Jesus in the sense that we need, to, we need some more messiahs. No, not the ministry of Jesus, but to be like him in character. Like him in character and power over sin. Uh, this has been God's intention for you from eternity past. Here's the verse. We're going to pray. Ready? Romans. Just write R-O period. Chapter 8, verse 29. First part of verse 29. Here's what he says. For those he foreknew, he also predestined. Now, don't get all freaked out over that term predestined. It just means that God's intention from way back was for those who come to faith in him to be conformed to the image of his son. That just means... He's intended for this to happen. So pray this, Lord, every day. You, you knew me before the foundation of the world, and it's been your desire to make me like Jesus. So today, would you continue the process of conforming me to the image of your Son? Can you see? You turn that into a prayer. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me here? I mean, this is just the practical stuff. This is what we do. This is, this is the way uh, that we cooperate with Him. There's a fourth thing you need to know here, and it is this, that the Holy Spirit makes this happen. 
This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't have time to unpack this for, frankly, you know, we're in the book of Galatians, but once we get to chapter 3, verse 1, pretty much the whole rest of the book of Galatians is teaching us practically how the Holy Spirit does this and how we are to cooperate with God the Holy Spirit in living the life of freedom in Christ. So we're going to spend a lot of time on this, but just let me quickly uh, give you one, one verse. Galatians, just write G-A-5 colon 16. Galatians five sixteen. Here's what it says. I say then, walk in by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So what's the desire of the flesh? That's a Bible way of describing that same old sin you keep on committing over and over again, and you don't know what in the honk to do about it. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. You turn this into a prayer. Lord, so you said, if I would walk by your Spirit, live by your Spirit, I will not carry out the desire of the flesh. And so I'm asking you to teach me and empower me by your Spirit to walk moment by moment with you. See? Is that a good prayer? Okay. Because He will. You're praying according to His will and His ways. Got it? Got it? Okay. I mean, we're just down, this, is, you know, this is just down to the practical nuts and bolts here. But this is how you go about living daily with Christ and cooperating with Him and grabbing hold of Him and letting Him grab a hold of you so that He begins to change you from the inside out. Uh, there is a fifth and final thing I want you to see here, and it is this. While it might appear with everything that I've said so far that this continuation, this transforming process, this sanctification is a, is a passive matter on the part of us believers, it sounds just like something God just does to me. Um, that we don't have to do anything. In fact, you'll read some books that say, hey, you don't have to do anything. There's only one problem with that. It's not true. And, and no, don't let me communicate that we don't have a part in this. We do. Now listen closely. Listen closely to me. This is not about earning our salvation because remember, we've been teaching that we believe in the Jesus plus what? Nothing plan. The Jesus plus nothing plan for salvation. It's not that. It's not earning our salvation. It's not earning credit with God. It just means that He expects us to jump in and fully go after it. You know, I, I prayed earlier about seeking Him with your whole heart. Got it? About hungering and thirsting for righteousness' sake. Well, this is our part. Listen to this. In Philippians chapter 2... Verses 12 and 13, the Bible says this, So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He's talking about get to work on this thing with God. And then he goes on to say, For it's God who's working in you. you. say, Well, which is it, Pastor? It's both. How's that work? I don't know. But I'm not going to sit in the dark till I find out. Remember the electricity thing? So he said, it speaks of our entering into this thing on purpose with God, cooperating with Him. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies, because that, by the way, guys, that's where we have the problem. The sin shows up in our bodies. We commit it with our bodies. Present your bodies... A, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So that sounds like we, we do something with our bodies. We intentionally 
commit ourselves to Him. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 says, Train yourself for godliness. How many athletes we got in here? How many of you used to be or used to think you were? How's that? Okay, you entered into some, golly, some of you look like me. You could never tell it. And so, and so, but remember, there was a lot of training that went on there to be able to do what needed to be done in the game, right? Yeah, it was the, when you, you football players, uh, the goal in, agi- in, agility, in agility drills was not to ma- become the world champion at monkey roll. Was it? No, you did all that jumping back and forth and hitting and rolling and jumping all over each other there uh, so that you could perform in the game. It could conform you to the image of a football player. We're to train ourselves for godliness. This speaks of discipline. It speaks of, it speaks of effort. Let me just use the word. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, Work at living a holy life. Work at living a holy life, for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Now, here's the last statement, and we wrap it up. Ready? Look at me. God's, we, are tra- we, are, we are transformed by God's grace through the power of the Holy Spirit. But God's grace is not opposed to effort. God's grace is opposed to earning, not effort. So, here's the takeaway. you got, you got to ramp it up. you got to get intentional. you got to cast off everything that's hindering you. you got to get focused on the things above. you got to say, I am getting with it. I'm going to cooperate with God. And then we've got to pray. We've got to engage Him intently and pray biblically to begin to win over sin. Got it? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.